Welcome to the boss level. My name is Enigma and I am your 15 year industry veteran. I am a lifelong gamer, game console collector, part time Twitch streamer, and of course, supervillain extraordinaire. Hope you're having a wonderful week so far. Happy Monday to you. We're going to get your week started off really good here today. Uh, I am recording this on Saturday, June 3rd in the afternoon. And unfortunately, I'm not able to record the podcast exactly what I wanted to record it about because Best Buy decided my Street Fighter VI uh, did not need to be here on Friday. Uh, since it'll be here on Monday, so I'm not going to be able to do any sort of review of Street Fighter VI like I wanted to. Uh, we're going to pivot and talk about Street Fighter uh, as a whole instead, but we're going to do that a little later in the podcast. There's some other stuff we want to we want to talk about first. Um, definitely hope you are you're doing really well. Hope you had a great weekend. Everything's going pretty well here. Uh, my stream last night on Friday night was great. I want to thank uh, some my friends who who raided me last night and had one of my better streams because of it. So uh, you know, awesome, Jen. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, I hope uh, hope everyone's doing really really well because I'm feeling pretty good about things. So let's go ahead and get good housekeeping out of the way. First of all, like I said, I'm a part time Twitch streamer. I stream on Friday nights and Sunday mornings, usually between nine. Uh, to 9.30 uh, at night till midnight on Friday nights, and then 9 a.m. to noonish around on Sunday mornings. That's Chicago time, and uh, I've been playing a lot of different things lately. Last night, I played Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge on the PlayStation 5, because I have a physical copy of that, and uh, I don't know what I'm going to play tomorrow yet. We will, we'll, we'll see. We will see. So, <laughs> unfortunately, it's we're on the precipice of a, of several really big tentpole games coming out. Street Fighter VI uh, and Diablo IV in particular. Then Final Fantasy XVI is in a couple weeks also. So we really have a lot going on uh, coming out. So there's going to be a lot of really cool stuff we're going to be able to play. But as of right now, it's like, oh, God, what do we play? Uh, I have been kind of offline playing Tears of the Kingdom, but I've... I'm not as enamored with it as a lot of folks are. Just like Breath of the Wild, when I was playing Breath of the Wild, I just kind of felt like it was a... I just got through it because I needed to get through it, you know? And I feel the same way about Tears of the Kingdom. Very difficult game. But uh, that's just my opinion. You can find me on Twitch and Twitter at Evil Enigma. That's E-N-Y-G-M-A. I'm on both of those platforms. I am exceedingly uh, uh, active on Twitter. I will let people... I, I say things all the time. I talk to people. Try to share funny stuff. Try to make people smile. Uh, I know I joke around about being a supervillain extraordinaire. The truth of the matter is I want to make everybody happy in some way if I can. And if, if one of my goofy memes that I find or something that I say makes it makes you smile, makes somebody smile once per day, then I feel like I've done my job. You know, I feel like I've done something good for everybody. And, and I hope we continue. I hope a lot of people continue wanting to, to see that because uh, that's where it is. But you can talk to me on Twitter. I'm always there. Uh, I work, so if I don't get back to you right away, I apologize, but I promise you, if you ask me a question or you want to talk about something, I will get back with you. I talk with just about everybody who talks to me on Twitter as much as I can. And then, of course, on Twitch, you'll find me at Evil Enigma there as well. That is uh, where I stream games, and I will uh, I definitely will be there on Friday nights and Sunday mornings. And uh, after that, let's go ahead and get the other stuff out of the way. As I have said many times, I am a team member of, a member of Team Dragonfire, as well as a content creator for the Kindred Knights. And that means we have our own line of hot sauces over at KindredNations.com. Kindred is uh, with a three there instead of an E at the end, and Kindred, 
go over there and check out our line of hot sauces. There's some really cool hot sauces they have over there. I'm a big fan of the honey garlic fire. I like the night sauce quite a bit too. Uh, but the honey garlic fire is really, really cool. It's like sweet and then it just kind of gives you a pop in the mouth of, of the heat right there afterwards. It's actually really nice on salads, believe it or not. I actually like it on salads. So go ahead and give those a try. If you would use the code ENIGMA, the way I spell it, E-N-Y-G-M-A at checkout, you'll get 10% off your order. And feel free to tag me on social media if you get your uh, your sauce, let them let people know you got it. I'll share it out to everybody I know. And if I know the Kindred Knights and if I know uh, Team Dragonheart, they're going to share it out to their followers as well. So you want to get some exposure there, we'll go ahead and do that for you, all right? So uh, remember, Cody Enigma, 10% off your order and get, get yourself some good hot sauces. So we're going to talk about my history of Street Fighter here in a little bit. But first, I wanted to get to uh, a couple of the news and notes that I have uh, been looking at. We are uh, on the precipice, I keep saying precipice, where uh, next week, this uh, next week coming up, guys, on the 8th, the Summer Games Fest starts. Now, that's going on because E3 is not happening this year. And, and I've been an extensive... Uh, extensively told people why E3 is not happening and why the th Summer Games Fest is, and it just basically comes down to, in short, that uh, the game companies and publishers now know that it's actually cheaper for them to take their message directly to you, to the consumer, and not have to go through journalists anymore to do that. That's why E3 is not happening this year. E3 is expensive, and E3 is also not... Uh, Guaranteed to get the result that you want due to some of the journalistic websites out there and the, their uh, lack of journalistic integrity. But uh, when they put out a, a Nintendo Treehouse or a Sony PlayStation Direct or, or, or anything, they can just look at you and just say, we're going to release this video to all everybody online. Everybody can watch it. And then they can put get their message there and not have to filter it through the uh, eyes or the uh, opinions of the modern day video game journalist and that's why it's going on the way that it is now summer games fest is a long string of different events where you're going to see games announced it's being run by a guy named jeff Keeley, and uh, of course after i just got done talking about video game journalism uh jeff Keeley is like one of the ogs he's one of the the original guys that was video game journal in video game journalism and he's he's a nice guy like i said i many many once he probably doesn't remember me at all but he was exceedingly uh you know humble and and all when i met him anyway nice guy uh i always thought that he was the kind of guy that played favorites though like i mean he's good friends with hideo kojima so if you notice, I, I guarantee you Kojima is going to have something to show at the Summer Games Fest just simply because he and Keeley are tight, like they are bros. So uh, don't be surprised to, to, to see that. But we do have some cool stuff coming up on there. I'm sure there's going to be some big announcements. Microsoft's got their, pro, uh, their part of the Summer Games Fest coming on the 11th, I think. And uh, there's a lot of rumors swirling around what they're going to show supposedly, uh, I mean, we know they're going to show Starfield. I wouldn't be shocked to see they finally get a hard date on Starfield, one that they're going to stick to, considering right now Starfield is uh, is six months late compared to what they said it was going to be, or seven months late now. Uh, so I won't be surprised if we see them have another November release date this year for, for Starfield. It's a Bethesda game, so chances are it's going to be buggy as all you know what, because Bethesda games always launch that way. But I have a feeling Microsoft A wants the game to be good. It needs to be good. It has to be good because they're all the money they invested in buying 
uh, Zenimax to uh, get get access to these games. It has to be good. It has to sell. And then uh, it wouldn't be shocked also if Microsoft was like, you guys can't release a buggy mess. We need you to release something that's playable with no bugs with, or as little you know as little bugs as possible. So don't be shocked if we see uh, you know something that spend some more time in the crock pot for a good reason. I'm not one who gets on to delays very often. I always say that most games these days could use a little more time in the crock pot, a little more time to stew and and get all the, the that flavor that you do when you you make a beef stew in a crock pot or something. A lot of games these days that are released need that. And unfortunately, they do what uh, they call in movies fixing it in post, where they wait till after the game is out, and then they put a whole bunch of patches out to try to fix all the bugs they didn't fix before the game actually came out. And that's been going on for a long time. But Starfield, I would be shocked and amazed if it wasn't going to be out sometime this year. It has to be out this year. Microsoft has to have a winner. They are really got their backs up against a wall right now with the Xbox Series X and S. I know there's a lot of folks out there who are going to tell me that I'm wrong, but guys... The sales numbers don't lie, and PlayStation is lapping Xbox like crazy, and uh, Nintendo still has a lead on everybody, at least for the time being, until they announce a new console. Um, there's rumors about there being a Halo 3 anniversary collection. Uh, there's too many rumors surrounding that for it not to be true. I'm sure it probably is going to be true. But they just did that with the Halo anniversary collection, so I'm, I don't know... If that's what I would do, I would I would probably instead, if it were me doing this, I would probably go back. If you're going to remaster something that's not been remastered recently, it would be Reach. That's unless they're remaking Halo Three completely. If they're if they're doing a complete bottom up remake of Halo Three, okay, I get that. But if they're just going to do a spit shine on it like they did with the Master Chief Collection, uh, I don't really think that's a wise move for them right now but they they need a hit so they're probably just going to throw a whole bunch of stuff up against the wall and see what sticks rumors also out there about fable that they're finally going to show off the new fable game uh completely honest with you guys i i'm not the biggest halo, uh, no, i shouldn't say the biggest halo fan i i do like halo uh the fable games have never been my kind of games either at least the first one i thought was really 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 boring um I really did, and it overpromised and underdelivered. You know, I mean, that's that's it. Peter Molyneux. If anyone remembers all the stuff Peter Molyneux said, you'd be able to do in the first Fable game, and you could do at the end of the day about ten percent of what he promised. That's kind of how I feel about in the very underwhelming series. It's been a very underwhelming. Now, I did like Fable Two, and Fable Three is okay. Um, it's just okay, though, and I like the direction they've been going with with the series, but the series has not seen anything in a long time, so there, supposedly we got a new Fable coming. I would very, be very interested in seeing that. I, I hope we do get to see a yeah, video or something. Like I said, Microsoft has to have a hit, and they can't just have something that's going to be a uh, it, they can't just release another Forza game and just and, and show how beautiful their Forza games are because they are gorgeous games they can't just lay on that and just say <laughs> look Forza they can't do that they have to have a massive hit and and with Starfield coming that's going to garner some eyeballs 
If they're going to do a full remake of Halo 3, Halo 3 is a pretty good game. That's going to garner some eyeballs. If they do a Fable, you know, a new Fable game, that's going to be there. It's going to garner some eyeballs. They really need this. They really have to have it. They have had their heads kicked in since the start, since the PlayStation 5 came out and the Xbox Series X's and S came out. They've had their heads kicked in. And uh, it doesn't help that they that their exclusive games they've had have really been misfires. Redfall was a big misfire. Halo Infinite, it's okay. Uh, I don't hate it. I know there's a lot of hate out there for Halo Infinite. I liked the game when I played it, but it is by no means the great experience that uh, Halo had delivered before. I like the open world Halo concept. I don't. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's called. You call a game Infinite, and it was kind of not infinite. <laughs> it was pretty short. So uh, I, I I like what they were going with it, but I know there's a lot of folks out there who don't like it. They have to have some hits though. They really do. Uh, also, we, with this other stuff going on with other companies, supposedly, um, what did I hear? That their Final Fantasy is thinking of dropping the numbers. Uh, I don't like that either. You know, the, after 16, they're just going to just start calling Final Fantasy different names. I don't like that. I really don't. I like the numbers. There are people like me, old school fans. There's a lot of fans out there who look at Final Fantasy and judge the numbers. But all the other stuff that's out there, all the other Final Fantasy games that are out there, all those uh, spinoffs and things like that, they don't look at those as being real Final Fantasy games. They look at it as being spinoffs. And if they eliminate the numbers, then everything's a spinoff. So, and and honestly, Final Fantasy's not been in a good place, guys. It really hasn't. Uh, if anything should be proven to Square Enix this year at all, it's that their classic stuff is what people want. People want the old games. Their pixel remasters have sold like crazy. So, why wouldn't they want to uh, capitalize on that? Why wouldn't they want there to be more games like those? That also reminds me, they're supposedly uh, going to show off that they're making, exclusively for PlayStation at this point, a full remake of Final Fantasy IX. Now that is an interesting, interesting idea. Final Fantasy IX is widely considered to be the best Final Fantasy on the PlayStation. Uh, actually, it's widely considered to be the best Final Fantasy game after the Super Nintendo <laughs> games so there, there you'll see a lot of people who put final fantasy 9 as the third or fourth best in the entire series uh, i would be there i'd be one of those people and uh supposedly they're remaking the game just like they are final fantasy 7 right now which is another thing is that we're going to see some more rebirth supposedly final fantasy 7 rebirth the second part of the final fantasy 7 remake now basically if you played the remake you know that that game ended at the end of the first disc, if anyone played Final Fantasy VII, the original one knows that the first disc was everybody getting out of Midgard. Once you complete the first disc, there's three discs in the game, then the other discs are actually quite go by a lot faster. So, But we only got basically about a third of what the game had to offer as far as story goes. I have a feeling we're going to see... Them do. I, I think they're going to do two, like Final Fantasy VII Remake and then Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I think that's going to be it. They're going to finish the story, is my opinion. But uh, they're they're working on it. We know they're going to do it. They have that that engine they worked out on. They worked on, uh, out with, with the uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm sure they're going to reuse that. They should reuse that because you don't want to change it too much 
from the original, since it's part of the same game, technically. And uh, it's, they're still saying it's going to be out this winter. So working on the engine and working on what they did, I think, is is great. They're just probably spit-shining what they can. I Hopefully, hopefully that's what they're doing. Uh, I would be interested to see what they're going to do with the story because I'm not going to spoil anything, but seriously, guys, Final Fantasy VII has been out for a long time. Uh, the One of the worst plot le- leaks in the history of mankind was in that game. But they made it clear at the end of the first di- uh, game, the first Final Fantasy remake, that this is a different story. This is a different telling. Are they still going to go through with what we all know is going to happen? Uh, or what, what happens in the, in, the, in the original game? Are they still going to go through with that spoiler? Or is that still going to happen? I don't know. I really don't know. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Personally, if, if it's just me without spilling the beans too much, I kind of think it has to happen be simply because it, it's for a lot of folks, it was heartbreaking. Uh, I'm trying not to spoil anything. It didn't, it wasn't as heartbreaking to me and it's not as heartbreaking to a very large portion of the fan base, if you know what I mean. Uh, but there's a, also a large portion of the fan base that are really, really impacted. So, uh, We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. It's very possible they could split the, the remake into three parts and do Rebirth. And they're calling it Rebirth, too, guys. Think about that. Uh, rebirth is... They they're, they could end that Rebirth on the spoiler that we're talking about. And then break into the last game would be the last third of the game, which would be the end game where you, you fight uh, old Sephiroth and, uh, for good and all that. We'll see. We'll see. There was a lot of changes they made in Final Fantasy VII Remake. I did like it quite a bit. I think that I, I prefer the old battle system. Just just me. I know that I'm an, an old fuddy-duddy, but I, I do. But I did like Final Fantasy VII. I liked it. Look how it looked. I liked how uh, they they were supplementing the story. They showed a lot more of the relationship between the characters. They fleshed out some characters a lot more. And I think we're going to see that with the with Rebirth as well. I hope that's what we're, we're in for. I'm looking forward to that. So otherwise, guys, I know we're going to see a lot of spoiler, a lot of things that are going to be announced. I don't believe we're going to see anything like uh, massively huge during the summer games. We, we might, but like I don't expect to see, for instance, Borderlands 4. I don't think we're going to see that. Wouldn't surprise me to see some more on maybe uh, the new Dragon Age game that Bioware is working on. We might see something on that. We might see something on uh, a new Persona. There's been rumors out there that Persona 6 is going to be announced pretty soon, that they that it's actually almost done. <laughs> it's because you know they're working on it since they've been... You know, they Persona 5 was a big hit, so they're going to continue work on Persona 6. I wouldn't be surprised to see something off of that. They're doing a remake of Persona 3, which I think is great. If they give it the same love and care that Persona 5 had, I think that will be pretty good. Uh, Quite frankly, I uh, I don't know. I don't. I I usually I have my nose to the grindstone and I hear all sorts of stuff that we're going to see. But good lord, you're so it's it's the wild west right now. It's completely different. You just can't sit there and, and go, oh, well, they're going to announce a new Madden. They're going to announce a new Need for Speed. They're going to announce a new Call of Duty. We already know all that that there's going to be a new Madden and a Call of Duty. But we're, even if they show a video for it, who really cares? You know. Uh, and I'm a football fan, <laughs> you know, it's, I like playing football games from time to time, but it's, it's Madden. We know it's coming. It's, it's like getting the flu, you know, flu season's coming and there's nothing you can do, but get your flu shot, I suppose. <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, we'll we'll see. There's a, a Ubisoft has got an event coming up. There's a lot of rumors surrounding them with the the skull and and uh, crossbones game that they're doing, the pirate game that's been delayed eight thousand times. We know that Assassin's Creed, uh, what's it, Lineage? Is that what it's called? The new Assassin's Creed's coming out in October, and there's that's going to tie right into uh, Valhalla because of uh, the main character being the the dude in that game. Uh, well, there's a there's just a lot of stuff going to be announced. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff that's shown. Jeff Keighley's not going to come without something. Kojima will show something, I'm sure. Uh, we might see a little more from uh, Konami on the Metal Gear Solid 3 remake, the Delta remake. And quite frankly, uh, I reported last week that Havid Hader was coming back. And that's only a half-truth. The truth of the matter is is that we found out this week that it's he's not coming back. They're just going to reuse all of his audio from the original game. So the question is, are they going to change the story? It doesn't appear like they're going to change the story at all. They're going to keep the same story with the same characters going on the same road. It's just going to look a lot better and hopefully play a little better too. Not that Snake Eater plays poorly, but you know, we'll, we'll see, I suppose. Uh, I, I was excited to see that they were doing something like that. I think Konami is actually kind of gun-shy right now to go into Metal Gear without Kojima, but they made that bed, and they own that bed, so they're going to have to do what they can and try to sleep in that bed. And uh, remaking, remaking Metal Gear Solid 3 is going to be a game where they get that in and they're going to they're they're going to see how it sells they're going to see what the reception is and then they'll go from there and say okay uh people are still hungry for metal gear let's see what we can do next i think that's what they're going into it for they're taking a game that that uh, is popular that people like and uh, they're going to see what the reception is see how much it sells and see if that's going to be a route they want to continue to go down uh, and and personally, even though Snake Eater is not my favorite, I really uh, want it to do well because I want Konami back in the game. I want Konami to get back into game development, even if it's just going back and doing the the uh, pixelized Castlevania games or something. You know, those are great games. I'd love to see them do some more of those. Those are fantastic. So uh, I really want this game to do well. I will purchase it because I'm 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 excited for it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's, there's a lot of cool stuff going to happen, guys, and, and it's going to be fun to watch. I'll do my next podcast on uh, that stuff for certain. Uh, the 11th, if I'm looking at this calendar correctly, is going to be Sunday. So in order for me to watch that from Microsoft and still get a podcast out for Monday, I don't know if I'll be able to cover the Microsoft stuff until the until the podcast after that. But uh, we will definitely. I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm definitely going to take notes, and we'll we'll see what happens with that. So, uh, cool things on the horizon there. So, uh, my our next thing we want to talk about is the main event. It's going to be my history with Street Fighter. Now, I really wanted to talk about Street Fighter Six, but as I said, Best Buy decided to ship it away where it's not here yet. So, my Friday night stream, I planned on streaming Street Fighter Six, and unfortunately, it's not here, so I can't play Street Fighter Six. Uh, in fact, I'm looking at it right now, and it's still on its way. It got to, uh, it's in Illinois, but I don't think UPS delivers on Saturdays without paying extra money. So, but FedEx will be here today because they're delivering my steelbook case I got for pre-ordering Street Fighter, <laughs> and it's out for delivery. As is uh, really odd, the Super Mario Brothers movie that I pre-ordered from them is coming today too. I thought that wasn't coming out until the 12th, but hey, hey, I'll I will take it and watch it. <laughs> 
again, love the Mario movie. But anyway, uh, since my copy of Street Fighter VI is not here, I can't do a review on it. I can't. I know the reception's been really good on it, but I thought we would actually take a second to talk more about uh, hit the Street Fighter and the, the, the kind of history on it because it's kind of an interesting history with, with Street Fighter and the reception, the, the fans of it, and then basically how it has progressed since then and the jokes that have you know been since have come it's it's just really really kind of odd now street fighter of course uh the one everyone remembers is street fighter 2 but it obviously it didn't start with street fighter 2 it started with street fighter 1 which was released in 1987 and it was designed by two gentlemen but one of them is actually exceedingly famous in fighting game communities takahashi uh nishimiya pardon me nishimiya boy my Japanese pronunciation is horrible, but he is uh, he is a, a an icon in fighting games because if you ever play Street Fighter One, which you can, it's downloadable on Capcom's Arcade Collection Two, I think, and it's been in several collections that they've they've put out. It doesn't play like Street Fighter Two. When you play it, you go, "This plays more like King of Fighters than it does." Street Fighter, and it's 100% true because, believe it or not, it was the, the guy, that gentleman would leave uh, Capcom and go work for SNK, and then, bam, he starts making Art of Fighting and King of Fighters and things like that. So he, he's he got his stripes earned when it comes to the, uh, the fighting game community, and he's earned them, but Street Fighter took a much different tone after he left. Uh, and it was for the better, quite frankly, because when Street Fighter 2 came out a couple years later, it completely revolutionized the way we had fighting games uh, done. We had these... these. There were fighting games out before that. You had your, uh, you know, Karate Champ, and you know, obviously Street Fighter 1, and, and, and games like that. But they weren't fluid. They weren't... They didn't feel... They were very blocky to control. They were very... Uh, the, the controls were lazy. I don't mean lazy like they were lazy when they made them. I mean lazy where delayed, that, that kind of thing. And Street Fighter 2 came out and just completely blew everything away. It, it, it really did. Plus, there were at the beginning, there were, uh, what was it, eight characters? Eight characters to choose from. You had Ryu, Ken, Blanca, Dalsim, Zangief, Chun-Li, that's six. Guile, seven. I can't believe I can't remember. And Honda. Honda was eight. So I'm and I'm picturing Honda right now and I couldn't think of his, his name. There was eight characters to choose from, and uh they each played and controlled differently. And to be honest with you guys, and I'm not saying this to, because I'm a big fan of Street Fighter because I always have been, or Street Fighter Two anyway. Um it's the most revolutionary fighting game that's ever been made. If it wasn't for Street Fighter 2, we wouldn't have near the uh, the stuff that we have now uh, with, with the fighting game community and all that. Plus, you look at controls, you look at how special moves are done, how things are done. Street Fighter 2 broke the mold, set the mold, and everybody copied that mold. And when I mean copied that mold, I mean they really copied that mold. You, After Street Fighter 2 success, everybody was doing fighting games. 
everybody was doing fighting games. You you would go to the store and pick up a game and look at the back. Oh, what is this? And you turn it over and it's it's a freaking fighting game. All these fighting games that were out there and a lot of them were really bad. Street Fighter existed in this this rarefied air because it was the controls were so smooth, the special moves were so good, the characters were so diverse. As I don't mean diverse as in what we think about it in 2023 standards. I mean that everybody had their own play style with, with those characters, you know, and, and they had their strengths and their weaknesses. You knew them, and, and it, it just so well done. And I can remember uh, I lived in Slidell, Louisiana when it came out because it, they put one in our local bowling alley. As I've said before, I spent a lot of time at the bowling alley during that time period because my parents bowled a lot, and I bowled on the weekends. So uh, we would go to the arcade to play games, and that's where I had played games like Ninja Turtles. The Ninja Turtles arcade game was there, which was my favorite, is my favorite arcade game of all time. And and But they would sw- swap in and out arcade games. And they got, and it was a big arcade. We're not talking like it's, some arcades you go to now, you don't, you went into a bowling alley and it's like, oh, we have a, we have a Neo Geo machine and then here's Miss Pac-Man, you know, or something like that. This, this arcade had like three or four pinball machines and a couple dozen uh, arcade units there in, in there and they would swap them out and we would love to play some and we would ignore others. But uh, I can remember they put Street Fighter 2 in there. We were enamored with it. It was like, this is this is different. We had never seen something so, so smooth and so well, it was very well animated. And, the, and like I said, the characters were all different and... You, we were. I could. I can just remember the first time I played it. I chose Zangief because he looked like he was a big burly dude, and then I I uh, fought Ryu, and I noticed this the guy's throwing fireballs at me. I was like, well, how come I can't throw fireballs? So then I choose Ryu and try to figure out how to throw fireballs. And uh, we, I can remember in the first couple of weeks, one of the kids uh, that we were there was another. I can just see his face. I can't remember his name. But uh, he found out how to do the hundred hand slap with uh, with uh, E Honda with Honda, and we found out that once you beat all of the uh, normal fighters in the game, then you'd have the boss fighters coming up, and we if you used Honda, you could beat Balrog, the first boss, the Mike Tyson looking dude, rather easily with a hundred hand slap because he was a ground fighter. So if you just used a hundred hand slap, you would just run right into it, and then you'd fight. Vega after that and he'd kill you but but <laughs> we we played it together we we were really into it and and then we started fighting each other we realized oh we can fight each other we can get this and uh, I got really good at Street Fighter 2 in that arcade that's when I tell people I was really good I don't mean like I was a national champion I was not uh, I was a, the best player in this little rinky dink arcade that we were in and and uh little rinky dink bowling alley in Slato, Louisiana I'm not here to say that I think that I w- was one of the best in the country or in the world. I was not. But I thought I was pretty good. And then you fight someone who's really good and you find out you really aren't that good. But Street Fighter 2, guys, was, was just such a revolutionary game and it was copied by everybody. And basically no one touched Street Fighter until Mortal Kombat came out. Now, there was a divide with with Mortal Kombat, and that is because, uh, and I'm I, I don't mean to sound like I'm talking bad about Mortal Kombat, but I am going to talk bad about Mortal Kombat here. Uh, the original Mortal Kombat games, their fighting engines were crap. Okay, they they 
there, there's no way you can play those games and play Street Fighter and go mechanically. Mortal Kombat is better. It is there's just there's just nothing, and it's like for the first three Mortal Kombat games. Okay, they're fun. They're fine. It was cool to see the gross out with the blood and the guts and to see and the fatalities. It's awesome to see all that. But as far as learning how to play a fighting game and having things, you know, combos linked together naturally and not be pre-programmed and all that good stuff. Street Fighter had it in spades and Mortal Kombat was just a game that was a bloody mess. And and I mean bloody mess in the best possible way. But if you go back and you play them now, Street Fighter 2 is still the far superior game and it's not even close. But here in the States, we loved Mortal Kombat. The kids loved Mortal Kombat because they weren't supposed to play it because there was blood and guts and you know, it was on the news and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, kids shouldn't be exposed to this. It's so horrible. Mortal Kombat was one of the reasons that the uh, rating system came about. The rating system, the ESRB that we currently have. The U.S. government sat the game publishers aside and said, you guys either monitor your stuff and put out a rating system or we're going to get involved. And that's where the ESRB came from. And ever since, that's why if you look in the bottom left-hand corner of every game that comes out, there's some sort of rating on it for who it's intended for. And now not a lot of it makes sense. At least it didn't used to. I can remember Ninja Turtles were all uh, E-rated games. But then you'd get, uh, a, a, you know, another game and you go, well, this Ninja Turtles is more violent than this game. Why is this game getting T-rated and that one's getting an E-rating and, you know, whatever. And Halo was M-rated. I don't know why Halo was M-rated. Because you're shooting. I get it, you're shooting. But if you, as I told all my customers when they would ask me, well, what, is it really that bad? I would say, look. If you think for one second Halo is just as M-rated as, as Grand Theft Auto, I have a bridge in New York I would love to sell you. <laughs> Mortal Kombat is Sesame Street compared to, to Grand Theft Auto. So, But anyway, uh, Mortal Kombat was one of those games. It was just that popular, and it, it was such a, a shift in the... Uh, I hate using the word zeitgeist, but it was because it's overused... But the, it, it was Mortal Kombat took attention away from Street Fighter, and there were kids who thought Mortal Kombat was better because of the fact they used digitized graphics, there were real actors, and there was blood and guts. But if you go back and you and you look at them and, and you play them side by side, you'll see that it's so much easier to play Street Fighter as opposed to Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat was very stiff, very very sluggish, not sluggish controllers, but it was very stiff. Everything about the game was stiff. Street Fighter was much smoother. It was more like uh, how martial arts was, how how fighting games should be, where how how it controlled, and, and that's just my opinion. It's my opinion, but I I just I just love Street Fighter too. Uh, I like I said I I basically ruled the arcade with that, and uh, it got to the point where we ended up getting it on Super Nintendo at at home, and uh, the Super Nintendo version, which I do believe to this very day is still the top-selling game Capcom has ever made. I don't think any of the other games that Capcom has made have come, has come close to the original Street Fighter 2 on Super Nintendo. But we had that, and, and my my family didn't want to play that with me. <laughs> my brother and my dad did not want to play Street Fighter 2 with me because, as uh, my brother would say it, all you're going to do is pick Chun-Li and jump over me and kick me in the back like a, a little jerk. <laughs> 
and he didn't like that too much. But Street Fighter 2 broke the mold. Street Fighter 2 is the reason why we have fighting games today. Now, uh, the truth is, is that after Street Fighter 2, Capcom would go on to make a series of mistakes with the, with, with the series. And uh, the, the joke was Capcom didn't know how to count the three. That, that was the, the, the joke for a very long time because basically they released Street Fighter 2 in many different forms. After Street Fighter 2, they did Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition where they changed up and added a new move to all the characters like uh, Chun-Li had a fireball now, things like that. And, uh, they, and there was something else that was going to happen too, which I'll get to in just a second. Uh, but they also, I believe that was the one where they made the uh, boss characters playable. So Balrog, Vega, Sagat, and Bison were all playable in that one, I believe. Then there was Street Fighter 2 Turbo, and then there was Super Street Fighter 2, and then there was Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. They would not just release Street Fighter 3. They just kept doing Street Fighter 2 with, we'll just add another move. We'll just add another this. We'll just add another that. Uh, and they also, it was, it was Super Street Fighter 2 is when, first of all, the developers thought they were making Street Fighter 3. That's why there's four brand new fighters in that. Uh, Cammy, T Hawk, DJ, and uh, Fei Long. Jeez, I'm Pete's Enigma. What is up with you? Not remembering freaking Fei Long. Uh, there were four new characters. I thought they were making Street Fighter Three, and then that's where the uh, Street Fighter Two, Super Street Fighter Two Turbos, when Akuma came in. Akuma, Akuma. Uh, but they, and then they added the super bar and they kept adding things. But something else that they were doing throughout the games is they were also trying to make Ken and Ryu different. If you played the original Street Fighter 2, Ken and Ryu are basically the same dude. They're, yeah, there's sm small differences, but the truth is, is that their movesets are, um, they're exactly the same. Uh, there's just, there wasn't a lot of change. And it wasn't until really, every time that they would release a new version, they showed something a little different between them where there was oh well, Ryu kicks like this and Ken kicks like that and oh look Ryu's fireball travels faster you know and Ken's dragon punch is a little stronger and then you get to the Super Street Fighter 2 and Ken's dragon punch now was a flaming dragon punch and uh, we touch on fire if he hit you with it and Ryu's fireball was now looked completely different it was just much faster and, and there's then they had super moves that were completely different they were just trying to make big difference between the two fighters. Uh, and they also really, they kept adding things that were really welcome things like a super meter and things like that. This turbo fighting, we could have faster, faster moving characters. They, they, they were doing what they could to make continually reinvent the same game is what they were doing. And they got a lot of mileage out of it. Street fighter two lasted quite a while. But then after street fighter two, after super street fighter two turbo, after they were done with street fighter two, did they release Street Fighter 3? No, they did not. <laughs> instead, they went back to the well and they decided they're going to do Street Fighter Alpha instead. And they ended up doing Street Fighter Alpha 1, 2, and 3, which were previous Street Fighter games 2 in the timeline, the Street Fighter timeline. They were before Street Fighter 2. So they did three games based off of that until they finally decided to do Street Fighter 3, which it was just called like a, the first time I saw Street Fighter 3, no joke. Well, it was just called three, and they spelled out the the arcade uh, uh, marquee, the banner on top, just said it spelled out three. That's all it said. It didn't say Street Fighter three. It didn't have 
you know, anyone holding up three fingers or any SF or anything like that. It just said three. And it was Street Fighter 3 is when they, they finally did that. And, and uh, Street Fighter 3 is a very technical game. A lot of people I know that are really into Street Fighter swear by that game. And there's a lot of really cool technical stuff about it. But it is a technical game. It's actually very... I would I would not say it's the kind of game that you should just plug and play. I would say if you're if you really, really want a game to plug and play to really get into and have fun, go back to Street Fighter Two, go back to Street Fighter Alpha, go back to games like that. Those are very standard, fun fighting games with really good characters, really good animation, really good super moves and all that. Street Fighter Three is very technical, very a, a very technical game about where to punch, how to punch, when to block, how to parry, all these different technical things about fighting games that it's it's like a master class on how to play a fighting game is what street fighter 3 is in my opinion and uh because of that it was not as well received as they probably wish it would have been and by that point they just went ahead and we didn't see street fighter for a while it wasn't until shoot i was working for gamestop at the time when street fighter 4 finally came out so but uh the fighting game community is a tight-knit community. They love their games, and, and it's one of the few communities that I've seen where there's not a whole ton of trash talking. I'm sure there still is some, but uh, I, I've seen people in, in tournaments play games where when they just they completely whip some dude's butt, they still go over and they shake the, shake the, the loser's hand and you know give him a hug and say, come on, you, know, you did all right, you'll get me next time. It's... That, that is, I just always like that kind of, uh, love that kind of camaraderie and, and it's just something we don't see a lot now. If you, if you turn on Fortnite, if you turn on Call of Duty right now, there's a lot of trash talk, there's a lot of that. You just don't see a whole lot of that in the, in the fighting game community, at least not really. Uh, I'm sure they're on Twitch, you'll see it that way. There's people who, who will talk that way. When I play Street Fighter, uh, on Twitch, I probably will not trash talk because I don't trash talk. I, I know. I, people probably don't believe that, but I really don't. Uh, I tend not to. I don't believe in it because it's it's just. I don't like making people feel bad. You know, I want people to feel good, and and I, to me, that the a community is healthiest when there's a lot of different people in it. So I don't want to make anyone feel like, well, that guy Nigma, I fought him in Street Fighter, and he afterwards he talked all kinds of crap about me. So. I'm just gonna put the game down. I'm done with it. You know, I don't. I don't want to do that to anybody. And I don't. And not that I could, but I don't want anyone doing that to me either. So, uh, our communities are best when and thriving when there's a lot of people involved, a lot of interest in in the game. So uh, I'm looking forward to playing Street Fighter Six. I really do want to play it. I can't. I, I'm actually really bummed out that it's not here because I really want to play it. But uh, you know, we'll see. We will. We'll see how. Uh, how the game is. I know the reviews have been really strong for it. I just wanted to touch on Street Fighter 2 and, and just how revolutionary it was because I can't tell you guys in words how many Street Fighter clones there were out there. You could go to the rental store and there would be a whole bunch of games on the shelf and they would all be some sort of fighting game. It was all something like that. There was not a lot of variety coming from third-party publishers at the time. Nintendo and Sega still did their thing. But Sega did a fighting game too. Sega did uh, Eternal Champions. So they all threw their hat in the ring some way or another. Nintendo didn't do a fighting game till the mid-90s, late-90s with uh, Smash Brothers. And Killer Instinct. They did both of those with, uh, with Rare. They did Killer Instinct with Rare, which was again mid to late-90s. But uh, they didn't. They didn't really throw their hat in the fighting ring that that much. It was mostly third parties. Sega did it. Uh, 
Um, and, and, and it was a big deal. It, it just, yeah, they, it was, it, they, they ruled the arcades. You went to the arcades to play Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat with, uh, with other people. That's how you could tell who the king of the arcade was. Cause you'd always be, you walk into the, uh, your local arcade and there'd be a line leading up to the Street Fighter machine where the, the, the local champion, the local guy who was ruling the roost was taking on challengers. And if he lost, he goes back to the line or he leaves and the next one up, you know, next one up, next one up. That's how that community went. And it still did it all the way through your versus games. You know, your uh, X-Men versus Street Fighter, Marvel Superheroes versus Street Fighter, all that. That's how that went. Mortal Kombat was the same way. You go up to the machine, you get in line, get in the machine, you know, get in line for the machine, take off the champ. Either you knock him off his pedestal, or uh, you go back. You know, you you uh, you leave. That that's how it was, and it was a very tight knit thing. And it was it was socializing before social media. Quite frankly, it's how we we socialized for the most part. Was oh, I want to play that guy in Street Fighter? I want to see if I'm better than he is. So it was just really really good stuff. I, we just don't see anything like that anymore, especially now that. Uh, internet basically killed the arcade. There's no reason to go to an arcade anymore for the most part because uh, you don't have to worry about playing your local champion. You can actually get online and play the best player in anywhere, you know. So just uh, young Street Fighter Two, big deal. It was, it was one of the most revolutionary games that are. If you're if you're looking at revolutionary games, games that made a statement, games that, that changed the industry. You know, you can go back, you can go Pac-Man, you can go Donkey Kong, Tetris is definitely on that list. And then, you, you know, Street Fighter 2, definitely one of them. Resident Evil, another one of them. Uh, Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest, one of them. You know, the, these games that set the standard for what everybody else would try to copy for the next several years, six, several decades. These are games that... You know, people would would uh, play them. They go, "These are great," and publishers would play them and say, "We need our version of this game. What what can we do to compete with this? We need a competing brand." You know, uh, and like for instance with Dragon Warrior, Sega goes off and does Fantasy Star. Uh, Nintendo goes off and does uh, like Fire Emblem, right? And then uh, Square Soft decides, "Well, let's let's do Final Fantasy. Let's let's do that." So. There, you just go back and you and you realize that there are just games out there that that have really set the industry on their ear. And uh, oh, Grand Theft Auto, another game that that redefined the industry. You know, and people have copied and are still copying to this day. And Street Fighter Two is is definitely one of those games. Not Street Fighter One, Street Fighter Two. Street Fighter One was was just okay, uh, very hard to play. But Street Fighter Two was the game that everyone was copying and. For the next several years, all you could find where people were interested in was we needed our version of Street Fighter 2. So that's going to do it for today's podcast. So I definitely hope that you enjoyed it. Definitely hope you are uh, doing well here. Now, next week's podcast, uh, we'll probably cover, we will cover some of the Summer Games Fest, but it probably will not cover Microsoft. Probably won't cover Ubisoft. I'll probably wait and cover those the week after. But we'll look at uh, some of the stuff that's coming out uh, that they're going to announce there. We might see some some like Suicide Squad, maybe. We might. Who knows? Who knows what we'll see? But I, I definitely want to check that out. I definitely want to do a podcast about that. So Friday night coming up, uh, I am planning as long as the delivery takes place like it should, because it comes out on Tuesday, I believe, is Diablo Four. 
Uh, I really want to get in Diablo 4. I've been talking with uh, some folks in Team Dragonfire and the Kindred Knights. I think we're going to have a clan for our team. And uh, it is cross-platform, so even though I'm getting it on PlayStation, I should be able to uh, play with PC and Xbox owners as well. And uh, I'm look- looking forward to it. It's uh, it's a game that we might I might actually play online with with uh, team members. Play play with uh, play with some good folks. So I, I hope you guys will check that out. Uh, join our discords if you really want to be part of those clans. If you're playing Diablo 4, you know, let us know. We'll see what uh, I don't know what the protocol is yet. I know that uh, my friend Alex, she said she set up the clan uh, last night, I believe. So uh, we'll, we'll I, I'm not part of it because I don't have the game yet. But once I get it, definitely going to put my part into that. So, All right. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, call it. Uh, don't forget to give me a follow on social media. Don't forget to give me a follow on Twitch. So I am trying to grow in both of those areas. Uh, I would love to have your support. And uh, again, if you really would do that talk to me ask me questions on social media let me know that uh, you're there and and uh, you know feel free ask me questions enigma what are you playing right now hey enigma what's your opinion on this i if as long as i have something i can answer you know, with, with i will definitely talk to you i do pride myself on being one of the more approachable streamers uh out there i i really do believe i am i there's nothing to be uh, intimidating, intimidated about with me. I am as as humble as the day is long, guys, and and I'm just exceedingly lucky that I am part of some really nice teams of some really great people who have who've been there to, for me and and helped me out and and uh, help build up my confidence when I need it. Because you know, anyone who's who's been a streamer will probably tell you there's there's going to be some times where you don't feel like you're 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 doing that great, and uh, I'm definitely suffer from that myself and. I'll talk to about that, and then all of a sudden, light like last night happens, where I average almost eight people per stream uh, for that stream, and it was it was just really nice to, to do that. So, uh, feel free to uh, drop by and talk to me. I I, I would appreciate that. Uh, in fact, I talked to a guy last night on the Friday night stream, a young man who was asking me about Ninja Turtles because I was playing Ninja Turtles. He was very passionate about uh, Rise of the TMNT, which I had never seen. Uh, my fandom of the TMNT as the original TV show, and he was telling me about Rise, and and I could just tell how much he loved it, and and uh, he he was very passionate about it. He was very very uh, glowing about uh, you know he was speaking in glowing terms about it, and and I just I love that kind of passion, you know, and and uh, I I told him I said because uh, he was telling me that it was not, disliked a lot because it was so different, and I said well you can't tell the same story over and over again. <laughs> you know, if you're going to reboot your thing every two or three, four or five years, you can't just take the same characters, put them in the same spots and do the same thing over and over again and expect people to continue to show up for it. So, you know, uh, he was very passionate about it. I'm so glad that I got to talk to him. And, uh, you know, if you're listening, thanks. I appreciate it, dude. And I will talk to anybody about that stuff. I didn't have a background in Rise of it, a Rise of TMNT. I'd never watched it, but uh, he was very very passionate about it and i just i love that kind of passion so i'll talk to everybody here coming up here real soon i will be on twitter this week so go ahead and and you know shoot me a tweet let me know what's going on i will continue to try to make people smile and laugh while i can and uh, next week we'll, we'll be back for some streams 
And uh, we're going to do some Summer Games Fest on our podcast, okay? So uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a, uh, you know, a rating if you can. That would be nice, too. So I will talk to you soon, guys. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and I'll see you online. Thank you.